I was just taking a private moment to celebrate the worship team a little bit. There was that second praise song we did. I could hear the brass. Hello, through. and welcome and to the got media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Just, it, it Today, Pastor Douglas Lee uh, shares gonna, truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. Because when God is blessed by our effort, and you know, it, it helps us to have leaders to lead us into that place. I don't claim to be really musical, but I enjoy worship and I express myself. But I, I enjoy that people with talent kind of drown out what I'm doing and I feel like I'm experiencing something better. And if you're like me, you'll appreciate a, a, a team given to uh, excellence and doing a good job. I appreciate that. This morning we're here to, to celebrate something that is happening where we're sending a team away, but uh, in sending a team away to Guatemala, everybody that wants to be a part is a part. The scripture says, and I, I was just sharing, God has great things in store for us that we don't know even what those things are. Some of those we'll find out in heaven. For example, I think those that are not going on the trip, but you're a part of the trip, you've either prayed or, or helping send somebody or given toward the, the gifts and the ministry materials and the things that we're doing, you share in the reward. And what will happen in heaven is we'll find out what God attached. He attaches a value to things that we're doing far greater than what we know in our giving or being a part. We sometimes measure what we think that God's going to do in our life through our giving by what we're giving. Heaven is so supernatural, the return on what we do here for the master is something that eye has not seen and ear has not heard yet. When you get to heaven, whatever, whatever your attachment to ministry is, you're going to find out how much God valued what was happening. You know, I, I believe that, that, that this trip, like any of our efforts, is significant to the kingdom. The refrigerator that we're celebrating this morning for such a great deal, and, every, and, I, and I'm tickled, and Tammy Kendrick does things like that all the time in the, in the church. I wanted her to share that this morning. Just That's how we try to do things around here. The, the best deal and then some. <laughs> we don't leave out the and then some. But God attaches a value to that. Who knows how much... The refrigerator impacts. I know it impacts our workers. I know it blesses the people receiving the goods, but what more does it do that we don't know? How can that action make a heart tender toward the Lord that maybe has never been tender before through the function of a refrigerator? But you know, God doesn't look at the refrigerator. He looks at the people who wanted to help other people. And he attaches a value. I'm just, I, I want to tell you something I know about our Heavenly Father. He doesn't see things the way we see things. He sees right through it to the real deal. And he attaches the value based on what he knows, not what we think. That's why it says in Scripture, his ways and his thoughts are so much greater than ours. And that's why it said there in, in 2 Corinthians that I hasn't seen or ear heard. That means nobody has ever perceived it right yet. That's living in the earth. That's a picture of your God. My God as a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. So I want you to not underestimate God's value in your effort to reach people for the kingdom. I want you to recognize there's no little thing that God doesn't mark as a big deal. So far he even says in the scripture if you give a glass of water to somebody in ministry in the name of Jesus. You'll not lose your reward for that. I think, wow, I mean, uh, you don't think a lot about doing stuff like that. At least I don't. You know, handing somebody, if I see somebody sweaty and I've got a bottle of water, I'd give it to them just to, you know, to, to help them out. But God sees our actions of love as something that matters to him. So much so he, he doesn't say, oh, I'll get you back. I'll pay you back. I'll, I'll, I'll buy you one. He says, no, there's a reward that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. That means there's something in heaven waiting every time you do something that you can't comprehend in this earth suit. That should suddenly change how you feel about all the little things that seem to go unnoticed that you're doing for the kingdom. I want to share that 
to encourage you because I'm aware sometimes when I'm praying of uh, I start to pick up on or get a sense of knowing of how much something matters to God that I didn't consider a big deal and I want to share that with you so as a church there, there are those that are going we're going to pray for, for that group this morning and send them I, I'm going so you're sending me I enjoy being sent because my master, the Lord Jesus, commands me to go. That's part of my calling as a, a preacher and teacher. He commands me to go. I really, if I didn't go, I would go to heaven in disobedience. I believe I'd still go, but I would have missed a commandment of my master. So you're, you're empowering pastor and a team to go at the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when the commander says to do something, he's got something in mind. What he has in mind, we can't put a value on in this earth. I mean, I'm excited about it. I already think it's got great value, but he says I don't have a comprehension of how he sees it. So I like that, and I want you to know that that's how God looks at your efforts for the master, whatever they are. And you share in this. You share in this peace. Scripture shows uh, in, in numerous examples of the, the people that went to battle in the Old Testament would take on what they call the spoils, or there would be riches they would carry back home. There would be a reward of victory that would happen. And it shares again and again how the people that didn't go on the battlefield still shared in the reward or still shared in the gain. That's the way the kingdom of God works. It's a positional kingdom where we're all supposed to do our part and fulfill a role so much so that scripture teaches that as we pray our way through the kingdom of God while we're living here what we're supposed to do for the master we literally come on to a stage play where God has written our part before we were ever born that we come into a, a place in our life where we recognize God put me here to do this and we recognize I want to do more of this Something in me shifted when I started to do this. And, and, and it, Scripture goes so far as to say we have a personality in God that is different than our personality just walking around as a, as a human being. Because we, we, we start to live in what Scripture calls in Christ. That means we're, 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 we're living in a relationship with Him where we let Him express Himself through us. That's of great value to the kingdom because ultimately... That's why we're here. I think that five minutes of being Jesus to somebody is worth five weeks of about anything else we could do. And that's just me, me giving my little reasoning. That's not scripture. Just God's five minutes working through us has greater value than anything else we're going to line up to do. So I, wanna, I want today to encourage everybody to look in that direction in your relationship with the Lord and recognize he designed you to be a person he would reward in ways you can't comprehend. That's who the master is. So when we think of master, that sounds like a scary word in our culture, but it's actually the most liberating, exciting word we could possibly hear because he's saying, you want to go over the top? Let me be your master and you just, you just do the things I point out for you to do and you'll find out you're made to do them. You might step into them and think, what am I doing this for? <laughs> I don't think I'm prepared for this. It's him doing it through you, and he's prepared for anything. He can face anything. And our victory comes because we give him room to use us in our shaky, quaky little boots to do his great big whatever it is job. And we recognize it's not us, it's him the most exciting experience you'll have in life is being Jesus in moments like that where you recognize that was more him than me. It's still you. You got you to get up and do something. This is not like a deja vu. You suddenly snap out of it and you were Jesus for five minutes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you recognize this is beyond me. This has to be him. This is him saying things out of my mouth bolder than I would say on my own. This is him putting a desire in my heart to care about something that I would normally not care about. This is God putting in my heart to care about people uh, a thousand miles away when right in my back doorstep there's a need. 
This is God transplanting some of my desires with his desires. He's putting him, himself in me. That's what ministry is about. So I'm kind of using this moment and the trip and the expectation to point out some things that happen when we're doing Jesus' work. Understand you just being you, the devil is an enemy, but he's only so much of an enemy to you just being you. But when you're being Jesus, the alarms go off in hell. Somebody's doing something that looks a lot like Jesus. And suddenly there's an alert against your effectiveness and the enemy wants to come against what it is you're trying to do. Don't make the mistake of thinking it's because you are you, but rather it's because you are being Jesus. He's living through you. The enemy recognizes the work of love that comes through the body of Christ. Because our Heavenly Father is that love. So whenever you begin to engage in the love of God to reach people, the enemy's threatened by that. And he will begin to work to try to shut you down. When you experience that, hear the word of the Lord. You're on the right track. Scripture tells us we can resist the enemy in Jesus' name and we ought to do that. Say, no, you're pushing on me, I'm pushing back. Now, some things from the word this morning, some things that we're doing. You know, we're, we're, we're going in to do some, some practical things. You see the wall going up, I'm excited that it's already happening and you get to see it. We have some cash toward the pastor's house, quite a lot, really. He doesn't even know that's coming. Why, we're ahead, of, we're ahead of the schedule, we thought, would happen with that because you just responded so generously. So, I, I don't know, we've got the lion's share of what a house will cost, I think, to go in with or close to it. We're carrying in a computer for him. He's been uh, running around the nation doing ministry for years and doesn't have a computer. It cost us $300 to give him something that he couldn't get on his own. In all these years, and this is a man with a, a master's degree level education and, and a pretty talented individual. So there are practical things happening. There's practical ministry happening. And that will, I'm sure, will be asked to go out and minister to people in their homes. There's a group going out on the street every day, the team going out on every day to invite people to the evening meetings. We've got six or eight crusade meetings happening in the evening that we're doing that we'd call kind of an open air meeting around here. It's evangelistic and preaching Jesus to get them saved and if I can, if I can have what I want, get them saved and get them spirit filled and uh, deal with the devil if we have to. Pe people in foreign nations know that uh, there are demons so we cast them out. Jesus commanded me to do that. That's one of the commands on a minister that we're supposed to do. Jesus commanded. Well, he didn't like the devil messing with his people. So, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be doing all of those things and see people filled with the Holy Spirit. As I look at the requests, many of the requests are they, 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 they want to hear about and learn about the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, those are some of the, the things that we're doing. There's crusade meetings and there's meetings in churches to teach church people. Then there's meetings with leaders to teach leaders. So... We have a lot going on, and, and your sending makes all of that possible because it, it takes a whole group to go. It's kind of like a mini church going. It's what it seems like to me. But I, I, I want to point out again the partnership concept in God's reward coming. And I want you to, whether you're going or not, if you're a part of this, if you've been a part, expect to receive something from the Master as he shows his appreciation. So I know when we, we hit the ground, a word of the Lord came to, to, to Brandy recently. We're going to hit the ground and an infilling and anointing is going to come and a refreshing is going to come. And I said, that would be the word of the Lord because that was the word of the Lord. Because everybody getting ready to go felt like, man, I'm almost in a desert place and everything's going bad that could go bad and this is tough. That's what happens when we boldly step out to serve the Lord Jesus. There's opposition. So rather than take it as defeat, we take it as a sign. This is a sign of his defeat and our victory. That's what we know.
So we expect to overcome resistance when we're sharing Jesus. I want you to, to understand as a church, we're called to share Jesus. And you may have a different place in that than I do. But you do have a place in it. I, I used to be the guy that would think, well, I'll never be the one to vocally say anything. And then I discovered that was a wrong statement. <laughs> and then it took me years to choose to believe that that was a wrong statement and act on it. So he makes us what he wants us to be. But I remember thinking of the one that goes, well, I want to help him go so I never have to. That was really how I started out. God bless them. They want to, I remember this guy going to New Guinea and they showed pictures of, of that nation. I'm, I'm not called to that place, you know, but I'll sure help him. And I'd put my, my money in the offering, went up and shook his hand and said, I'm so glad called you, God called you to do that. And he didn't call me to do that. And I remember that missionary today, he turned and he said, but he has called you to do something for the kingdom and you'll be uncomfortable before you're done. And I walked away and said, he don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> My Bible says he's the God of all comfort. <laughs> See, I used the Bible verse against the word of the Lord. That didn't work out. I found that comfort comes in obedience. And we get uncomfortable and squirm in our seat when we don't know what it is to be obedient. And that's where I was. I just didn't know what God wanted from me. So whenever I heard somebody talk about something I didn't feel like I could do, I was uncomfortable. Well, he becomes the God of all comfort to you as you obey him and let him live through you. Let him be Jesus. I found out Jesus is everything I'm not. And everything that I thought I was, he doesn't care too much about using. He would rather be big in me and me be little. And I've learned that that's really what should bring us comfort. But it's, it, it feels really weird at first. Like, what do you mean, deny yourself and follow me? Jesus said that. Deny yourself. Well, that means I've got to choose to do what pleases him. It makes us uncomfortable. Because I think the, the devil knew a little bit about you sharing Jesus when you were a little kid. That ultimately, somehow, God was going to get his hand on you. And you were going to do something for the kingdom. And I can't describe what that is for you, but... The very thing that God planned for you to do probably makes you uncomfortable at first because the enemy sets you up to not be comfortable to serve God in that way. I still sometimes deal with being very uncomfortable as a public speaker. It's not my gift or my talent or my ability. It's Jesus who wants to do that through me. So I go through most every time I'm preparing or, or get up this moment of uncertainty because I know this has to be him I want it to be him and I know it isn't me so you get me in any other setting want me to get up in front of a group of people I will probably say nope <laughs> thank you Why? because I recognize what God wants me to do he anoints it and he helps me and I like to stay in that I, I, I like to be in that kind of place now, this is 1 John 4, and we're going to spend a few minutes here today, not very long really, because we want time for the prayer and sending. So I will be speaking rather quickly. You have to expect to overcome some things. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Well, that makes sense. This is the spirit of the anti-Messiah, which you have heard is coming and is already in the world. You are from God, children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This is a word to baby Christians in a church that they have already overcome the enemy that would resist them when they try to do anything for Jesus. If you want a peaceful, happy, non-confrontational relationship with Jesus, you would have a fake relationship with Jesus. Because there's a spirit in this world that we, we call the Antichrist or Anti-Messiah. There's powers that be in this world that want to come against the love of God being shared through anybody. So if you're going to be about anything for Jesus, you're going to have some resistance. It'll be as though the very thing you step out to do will be challenged. And you'll think, what in the world is up with this? I just shared with you what's up with that. The enemy of God is up with that. Not your personal enemy but the enemy of God. So when we get involved in Jesus' work, his enemies become our enemies. 
But guess what? His power and anointing becomes our power and anointing. So there's usually a moment there where you feel this setback and you think, what in the world? You need the next moment. Holy Spirit, come upon me and make the difference and let me be Jesus because I now know for sure I'm on the right track and that's what I'm supposed to do. Never back down in sharing Jesus because that gives the enemy a foothold and the next time you'll tend to back down. I remember the first few times I determined I'm going to do it anyway. Talking through my teeth. You ever had that kind of determination? Talking through your teeth works well with the enemy. He knows he's about to be spit out of my mouth. Why? Uh, why? We de determine in our heart we can do it or we wouldn't have wanted to in the first place. We wouldn't have given in to God in the first place. Your Christian walk has struggle in it like that. To do anything for Jesus. There's a willingness where it seems like, oh, during worship we get so willing. Or during prayer when we're saying, God, I want you to do this for me and I'll do anything for you. I've heard a lot of prayers like that come out of people's mouth and think, man, I hope they know what they're doing when they say that. Because he's going to step in with his will and it isn't going to match their will. And they're going to have to decide whether, well, God, I don't know. That couldn't be you. That must be the devil telling me to, to go get somebody saved. devil ain't going to do that. I'll just tell you. That's going to be the Holy Spirit leading you into something because you made a bargain. Understand you're in a covenant. And it is like a bargaining. Because many times we'll pray and what we're really doing is we're trying to negotiate with God. If you want to pray that way, that's great. He'll allow it. It's called a petition, a prayer of petition. But then he will make a petition back to you. I've learned sometimes the things that we're praying for the most in our own life involve obeying Jesus in something that he wants. And it's many times not some personal cleansing or dealing with sin. It has to do with loving on somebody and reaching out and doing something that he's telling us we should do. And I found many times just in doing that one thing, whatever I've asked for begins to change and happen in my life. So as we talk about this trip, I want you to see it as seed that you have sown or will so, particularly in prayer, we're, we're, we're behind on the trip in prayer a little bit. Why? There's more God wants to do. What will happen? We're breaking out of the resistance and we'll be able to pray more. That's what's happening. Well, I'm not afraid. I'm sort of relieved. Like, phew, finally, there's prayer and there's some breakthrough. And this is really going to go ahead and take place. But if you're a part at all, I want you to expect God to move on your behalf. And if you have not made a petition to the king and you've been giving to the kingdom to do this work, make your petitions known to the master. Why, it matters to him. And he wants you to see that there is this reciprocation in your relationship with the Lord. I know for me, when I step out and get out of my comfort zone for Jesus, it stirs faith in me to ask him for something that I want. That's not wrong. That's right, your kids will do it to you. And we do it to our master. Why? He made us to understand that concept of relationship that we don't only just take from him, we're meant to give into what it is that matters to him. And then we freely receive instead of taking. In my mind's eye, there's a difference in receiving and taking. Taking kind of has an attitude, an edgy attitude of I'm entitled. But receiving has the, the idea of gratefulness and there has, been a, there has been a giving and there's a receiving. And there's a giving and there's a receiving. And that's not selfish or wrong. Faith is all over that. Why we know we're, we've done something to please the master. And we know he's a rewarder. So I want you to understand his nature. He's not a withholder. He's a rewarder. So the, the group's going, they've encountered this resistance. I've encountered untold things. It's astonishing. I knew, uh, I, I would say I'm an old hand at things like this. I knew when I said out of my mouth, the Lord wants me to go. Boom. <laughs> I'd be like, what? He's not going. Let's stop this thing. Um, I won't go into the details. Someday I will. I'll some, someday teach. the. You, you learn with some predictability what kinds of things will happen. And you know that everybody else in your group is going to experience and encounter difficulty. So I'm not sharing this because I've been free of difficulty. I'm sharing this with you as a church to understand 
resistance comes because the enemy hates the plan of God and God needs people to do his plan through. And for this effort, honestly, it takes our whole church to do what we're supposed to do. Why? God designed it that way. He, he likes the idea of his family unit doing something together. Now, love will motivate us to minister to others. I'm using a chunk of 1 John 4 today because it's a continuous thought about what God's love working through us looks like and what it should do and how it will be challenged and how we persevere and how we press through. Because when we get this right, we can win anybody to Jesus, and I believe that. I don't believe there's such a thing as a lost cause. God so loved the world, he didn't leave anybody out. He would have said his selected few he so loved if it was otherwise. He didn't say that. So I believe that he puts it in us to reach the unreachable. And there's an element of that in this trip. I perceive it in my spirit. I'm, I'm actually very excited about that. Now... There's different ways that we, we, we minister. I want to point this out in the idea of reward. Yesterday we had a funeral for, for Bud Kurtz here, here in this house. I was so pleased. I was so proud. I was so excited about every element of what everybody did in that piece of ministry. Never before have I had so many people come to me and say, Pat, and these are, these are largely strangers. Pastor, I've never been in a, a funeral service like this before. It was wonderful. Now, it blessed me because you don't think of funeral and wonderful in the same. That, that has to be a God thing. But as I consider it, a lot of our church was here. Doing the doing, doing the doing, doing the food, doing the doing, doing the ushering, doing the greeting, doing the loving. And what I saw is people experienced an expression of love that was bigger than what they were used to. What? More people were in it. And more people were in it with the right heart. That does my heart good. Because if I can't convey Jesus' heart from me into the church and see the church do, I have failed. So I leave with this sense of, uh, of excitement in that even in a funeral, Jesus was there. And I ought to say it this way. Especially in a funeral... You want Jesus there. I mean, if you need him to show up anywhere, it's there. Heard the congregation pray the prayer of salvation. I thought, now, I hope, Jesus, you let Mr. Bud look down at that moment because that would have pleased him right there. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Loved ones, let us love one another. Yesterday was full of that. For love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That just sounds kind of religious until we know, understand what born of God and knows of, know, known of God means. It means this is how God makes us his son or daughter. When you're born again, you want to think, well, I'm his child now. Well, we are in position. But we become that in personality when we let him love through us. We experience a little tiny bit of what it is to feel like Jesus feels when we do something right. Because he lets us feel his pleasure and his joy in that. So whenever we, we allow Jesus to express himself, we get to experience being a son or daughter of God. Did you know we really don't feel that or experience that until we understand and, and give? Do what he's saying to do. Give of ourselves to care about somebody. The greatest way you do that's Love on somebody that may not love you back. And I don't mean just love in natural human love. That isn't worth much. But loving Jesus' way is. And that's a matter of determining in, in your heart, I am going to be Jesus today. I am going to do that. It's so easy. One of the, the things that I am not happy with about modern culture is we're so busy, we do everything so fast that we miss opportunities. So I've started to pray, Lord Jesus, I know you've made appointments for me today that are not on my book. Please help me recognize them. Please help me have the capacity to do them. Help me be efficient enough with all the necessary things that I can do the eternal things. So, well, why don't you just ask for the eternal things first? Because I've got necessary things to do, same as you. 
So what do I do? Say, Jesus, I want you to show me. Interrupt my schedule with your plan because it could be one person in that day that changes the kingdom of God forever. Now, the one who does not love does not know God. That's really talking about intimacy. We've not ever uh, had tender moments with Jesus till we learn to love this way. For God, the Heavenly Father, is love. So if we're going to be His son and daughter, if you're not feeling close to the Lord, I know people repent a thousand times. Oh, I did something wrong. I need to repent. Okay, get the repentance over with. Repentance is a gift. If we receive it right, we're saying, thank you for letting me make this right, Lord Jesus, and you didn't kick me to the curb. But when you want to feel God's love, you don't repent. You take action to love. And that's what he's saying here. If you want to experience what it is to be a child of God, get it through the affirmation of loving well. Don't look for it in the the gift of repentance. Don't look for it in, in even getting direction from God in your decisions. Don't be afraid of being in God's perfect will or his acceptable will or just his good will. You don't want to be out of his will entirely, but what, what matters to the master is letting him love through you, and then you'll know what it is to be loved of the Heavenly Father. Well, he wants us to be affirmed as his kids. As I stood up this morning, I was so aware how he wanted you to know not just that he loves you, but that he's a rewarder, and your partnership with him has a value that you can't calculate in your head. So understand how much he values you loving somebody. The reward is something you will never figure out while you're here. But when we get to heaven, we get a revelation of that. And we'll go, oh my Lord, that little kid I encouraged grew up and did that for the kingdom of God. And Heavenly Father's going to say, aren't you glad you did right? And then, then we're going to probably wonder. And some folks say, oh, pastor, never say that. But won't we kind of wonder in the back of our mind? I, I wonder if I ever didn't do that's why he raises others up. I want you to move past your, your idea of maybe not obeying the master in the past and think that's going to hold you back. He got somebody to do what he wanted you to do first. But he's got a list for you now that you can fulfill. And he's not looking at the list where we missed it. He's looking at the list to come saying, won't you do it now? I like serving a master like that. It, it, the, the sting is gone out of it. Jesus did that for us. So he's always looking for us to join in the work whenever we want to and not look back. Now, the love of God was revealed among us by this, that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. That word live is an important word because it means Jesus in you ha- has... The ability to change your personality and your thinking to be more like Jesus, to do things you would never think you would do any other way. And I'm going to tell you something. He wants to do that with you. Because then you recognize, I'm not just mom and dad's kid. I mean, they're, they're nice folks, but there, there's an element of God that he just wants to put right in you. Where you go, oh, he did need me. It's not just because I'm one of them or one of the family, or one of the church, he picked me to do something for him. And when I accepted Jesus into my heart, he came in and gave me the ability to do it where I couldn't do it any other way. So I want you to recognize how the will of God works. It will make you uncomfortable in your own skin until you pray and consult the master who's living on the inside. Scripture teaches us that our body is his house. So there's times we've got to look to the inhabitant of the house instead of the house to figure out what wants to come out the door of the house. I'll let you think about that. So we have come to know and trust in the love of God and what he has for us. See, that's, that's why I say some things are predictable. I've learned that the love of God will win. The character of Jesus will win. I wouldn't want to go to Guatemala without a Bible because I need that to teach from. But I'm not too concerned about the rest of it because uh, he's predetermined this trip. So, well, Pastor, I'll take full suitcases and the maximum weight and I'll take everything that I can. But if it gets lost, I'd still do my mission. 
We just determined to, to live that way. So we have come to know and trust in the love of God and what he has for us because he is love. Now whosoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. I think of John 15, Jesus teaching. He said, if you uh, uh, abide in me, I'll abide in you. And he told us not to be like a branch that gets cut off because it's withered. Well, that means the way we know we're abiding in him is we are caring about people around us. I've learned to recognize in my life when I ever have a, a, a deaf ear to something Jesus wants me to do, I'm not abiding in him like I should and I should go back to the master and say, no, Jesus, sorry, I, I was not sensitive. Say, really, Pat? Yeah, I, I bet you've had a day somewhere you've been that busy that you just got done and it's just like, well, I got some necessary things done about half of my list. Why didn't I get the whole list? And we don't look beyond our list to God's agenda because we're so encumbered with the list. So what I'm doing, doing today is try to plant in you an understanding. God puts you here for more than all of that list. And what's not on the list that you do for the kingdom causes the list to shrink and be blessed. And maybe more come of your efforts. Why? That's who our God is. If we really believe what the Bible says, we will expect him to bless the rest because we give him our best. Now... He says here that we might live through him. That means we'll be quickened to our spiritual life through an action of love. Many times we're praying, Lord, change this, do this, help my family, give me an opportunity. You meet my needs and we're, you know, we're, we're doing all this stuff. And I'm going to tell you there's an override button in heaven. You love people Jesus' way. The override button gets pushed and your desires become yours. I want you to see that in the scripture. That's what quickened means here. It means accelerated. It means what you're looking for from the Lord will be accelerated back to you because you are participating in loving people as Jesus would. What's that a picture of? It's not just hugging people, telling them you love them. Sometimes it's practical. Sometimes it has a physical energy that you've got to expend some energy or time because it's a physical need. Sometimes people are just hurting and you need to be emotional support. Sometimes it's you had somebody on your heart all day to call them and you don't know why. But when you call them, you go, oh, my dear Lord Jesus, if I'd a, I would have made it a priority if I had known. And he's trying to teach us. Uh, when he speaks to us, it's a priority. And we, all, all I really did is listen and say, I'll pray for you. Do you know what listening does for somebody who needs to be heard? It's monumental. Why? Sometimes you might go home, especially if you're the guy, and your wife will say to you, we need to talk. And about 30 minutes later, she'll say, we really need to talk. And about an hour and a half later, when are we going to talk? And if you get dressed for bed and, and, and start to go to bed without talking, she's going to say, we must talk now. How many invitations, if we're hearing it with our ears from our spouse, does it take to override being busy? I'm not saying you're being negligent, but just we're, we're busy. We got our own mental list going on and sometimes I will go, don't need anything else in my head right now. <laughs> Still processing. Why? Guys jump from box to box to box and I want to finish the box I'm in and then, then I'll open the next one. Okay? Ladies have all the boxes open and whatever's popping its head up is like chickens in the box. Whichever one's got its head up. They want, want, why? They, they want to get all the boxes closed and you can deal with them later however you want to. It's a difference. But if, if we're like that with each other and we are, to some degree, I mean, everybody has their, their way they like to communicate. How are we with God who doesn't have always an audible voice, but just a nudge on the inside or just an idea that seems to pop into our head? Loving people sets God up to, to issue the reward. And I'll tell you, sometimes he just moves to reward you with what you would ask for if you knew how to ask it. He says he gives us things that we, we've not imagined yet. That's how he thinks. He knows what's ahead of you and what you need. Loving this way puts us ahead of the need curve and puts us more in line with God's will. Now, he can make us, this is what the other part of quickened means. He can make us fresh, strong, and efficient if we will be in his flow of love. That means he changes the rest of our life if we purpose to be like Jesus first. 
You've heard me say at offering time many times, if we give him our first, he'll bless the rest. This is another scriptural example, and really more important than your giving, is loving that way. And, and, and thinking every day, I'm going to encourage you how to do this because I'm, I'm walking through this in my mind, how, how frequently I do and how, how sometimes I just get busy. I'm a bit of a tasker. I make a list. I like to finish the list. God help me finish the list. Stay out of my way till I do the list. I've had to change some thinking there and say, uh, God, I'll let you interrupt my list. And you, when you give him permission, he will always do it. And then you will find out what he put on the list trumps everything that you had. Because it changed something on the inside. Suddenly, you feel like, man, today counted. Today was significant. Today, I made a difference in somebody's life. And suddenly, the things on your list, he says, the things of this world will become strangely dim. There's this moment you experience with Jesus where all of that kind of goes into the back seat. And and you have this moment with Jesus where you go, oh, I, I, I must have been made to do this. This must have been, we call them divine appointments. And we somehow think that they need to be only very occasionally in our life or only if we do and think everything perfectly and quote 10 scriptures. No. He's looking for us to just be willing and then be obedient. It's easy to be willing because the Holy Spirit knows we've given our heart to Jesus so he'll nudge us. But it's then being obedient to the nudge. And most times it's that still small voice or that that simple prompting the Holy Spirit brings. Or out of the corner of your eye you see something you shouldn't have seen. Or or the the lobe of your ear. I have ears that sometimes it's like they went like that and I heard something I shouldn't have heard. I think, oh, I need to respond to that. Why? You know, in in, in physical uh, ability, I'm about half deaf. If you're on the wrong side of me, I probably won't hear you speak unless you're loud. But sometimes that same ear seems like it zeroes in. I hear something, why did I hear that? I, I know, I, I, somehow I'm, I'm to speak into that some life. Or I'm to help in that situation. And I don't know how God will use you. That's just a silly example. But I've learned to pay attention to those little things that I just seem to notice. Or those little things I seem to hear. Or this, you think of it this way, this, this feeling. It's really a knowing. But this is just like, hmm. I, I believe I should talk to them about something. I, I believe I need to encourage them. That's the Holy Spirit saying, please do this. Why? In doing that, we have that moment where everything else grows strangely dim and God just was used of Jesus. That stirs our faith more than any amount of praying can ever do. That's what this, this teaching is saying. This is it in a nutshell. If you want the refreshing, if you want to have an efficacious life, is what it says in the Greek. If you want everything to seem to suddenly be turning in your direction. And everything to be exciting and everything to be life-filled. and Kind of like when you maybe first got born again. Ever wondered why scripture says don't leave your first love? Because our first love had an outflow immediately. We wanted to tell people what we knew about Jesus. Even if we didn't know much. All I can tell you is he's good and he saved me and I'm not going to hell anymore. And people are like, okay. Why were we so passionate then? Because there was an outflow. There's so many things that can stop up the outflow. And some of it's just being busy. Just being preoccupied, meaning well, but not, not, not listening to the still small voice. I, I, I don't know how some people do it. Their phone's going off all the time. I, I can tell you if I give too much room to the phone, I'll miss God. Because a lot of the phone isn't got in it. It's just getting stuff done and people want more stuff done. Or <laughs> I used to carry two Sky phones back in the day when you had you know, bag phones in the car and Sky phones. And whenever they rang, somebody wanted something. They weren't calling to, to kudos, Doug. That didn't happen. <laughs> Once in a while, be, be Lucinda. And, and she said, I love you. I, I, I miss you. I wish you were home. But if I'd listen, probably there's going to be a request attached to that phone call because I'm walking around with, with a phone that she's not supposed to call very often. It's real expensive in those days. But if she calling us, if it rang, it became my priority. What if we gave the Holy Spirit just an hour of our day where we were that available to Him? I'll tell you, he'll ring your phone. (laughs) He'll get through to you. 
if you just, and, and, will we do it successfully all the time? No, you've probably got too much responsibility for that. Why? You're anointed, you're chosen, you're leaders, you're going to obey God, you're going to run a business, you're going to do well. You'll go from low on the totem pole to high on the totem pole, but make sure as you go, you, you keep your communication with God wide open because then he sustains you in what you're doing and instead of just getting more responsibility he will free you up by bringing the right people into your relationships to help you serve him he will give you people that will serve you that's who he is but see if we lose track if we don't give God his place we end up losing our anointing and then it becomes more and more about work well, we've got to finish this very quickly because we want to pray and there's a lot of elements happening today. But I, I, I've got to share the rest because uh, it says in this way his love is made perfect among us. That means you are a part of making Living Word Church perfect in Jesus' eyes. Bigger part than you know. Bigger part than you comprehend. We don't think to ask about that because we kind of underestimate. You think, well, this is just little old me. I still have moments of, this is just little old me, God, because I can perceive here's coming a great big something. He's going to, I just can know, oh, he's asking me to do something. He's going to ask me to do something. I feel an uncomfortable before he opens his mouth. Why? There's this just sense of knowing he, he needs somebody to do something. And I've learned then just to step back and say, what is it? What is it, Lord? Now, we're to be his means of expression to the world. What we're going to Guatemala to do, same thing you'll be doing back home. We need to be Jesus in the way Jesus wants to be to the people we encounter. The people there know why we're coming. It's because they, they have said openly, you will reach people for Jesus we never could just because you're coming from another nation. If you've never done it, that doesn't make sense, but it's absolutely true. There will be people in the altars of the churches that the pastor's never seen in the altar before just because somebody came from somewhere else and expressed that God loved the people of Guatemala. Understand that you are that in somebody's life. We sometimes wait for people to reach out to us for our faith. Forget about that plan. The plan of God is he will show you a somebody and you go to them and you're just as much sent. This is verse 17, 1 John chapter 4. In this way, love is made perfect among us. He's talking to church folks. So that we should have boldness in the day of judgment. In other words, loving is what is going, loving people Jesus' way is what's going to cause you to appear before the great white throne at the very end of days when all flesh is judged. And you can walk up in there and say, I know I loved people right. I know I focused on the main thing. I might not have got some things right, but I got the big thing right. Why? It's that huge of a deal to God. In fact, the great white throne is really a being Jesus judgment seat. Did we or did we not? And he doesn't focus on the not. He focuses on what we did. And he rewards it. It's for the saints. It's a seat of reward. What's he judging? Our deeds. What we did, not our sins. Sins are already judged. I'm glad of that. For the believer who accepted Jesus as Savior, sin has already been judged. You're not going to go to heaven and have your sin judged. God's going to look at you and he's going to judge you for reward. He's going to determine how much did they give their heart to me in loving people. Because we can say, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. In the scripture, that doesn't count for much. We profess our faith once and he says, I love you. That's a done deal. He doesn't go back on his love. So we don't have to go to him like he did, that he's displeased. We need to recognize now he's a rewarder. And he says to, to, to in Hebrews to them that diligently seek him. How diligent do I want to be? See, he didn't say diligent to do what dropped on your head to do for the kingdom. Or what pastor asked you to do. Not really. Really, if I have to ask you, I don't know how much reward there is in it. I don't mind asking. I'll do it. But better to say, Jesus, you put this in my heart. I'm going to do this. What? It's unto him then. See, your faith is in him and you're not looking for something to change at church or for, to have status. Well, this is not a status kingdom. It's a serving kingdom. And it's a serving Jesus kingdom. And much of what you do for the master, I'll never know and your church may not see. 
You're a person out there living your life out in the world as we are supposed to. But we're supposed to be being Jesus' love. Not just, not just talking about him. This isn't always in a, an outward witness. This is in just being him in a situation. And looking in the room saying, I'm probably the only believer in here. I need to assert Jesus here. I need to offer to pray. I need to encourage this person. For just as he is, so are we in this world. What does that say? That's saying we are to be Jesus right now. And everything that he is, is in us for this world. Jesus is a savior. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a deliverer. He is a comforter. He is an encourager. He is wisdom. He is knowledge. He's everything that we will ever need or ever could conceive and beyond our mind's ability to comprehend. He's there. So what are we going to We need to recognize we may be him in the situation. And never underestimate Jesus in you. You wouldn't be in the situation if Jesus in you was not enough to deal with it. You just may not have experienced that yet. Where you step out for the first time and pray for somebody who's sick and you see God perform a miracle before your eyes. You go, I didn't see that coming. No, you didn't, but Jesus did. See, and if we're bold and not afraid, we'll recognize if I don't do this, I can be in trouble. But if I do this, I'm going to get a reward even if it doesn't work out. See, he didn't say that love always does what we want it to do. I've learned in loving the sick, not always do they receive a miracle. Did you know that didn't make my ministry ineffective? If I loved the person like Jesus did, I just did what he told me to do. I'm not in control of them receiving. I'm not in control of them even listening if I'm sharing Jesus. I'm in control of me obeying my master and loving well. And whatever the outcome, whatever the response, I have obeyed the master. And I have learned sometimes in those moments where it seems like it didn't work out or you're rejected, Jesus comes in like a flood and reassures your heart, you obeyed me and that's what matters. See, sometimes we just plant the seed and somebody else sees the harvest later. That's hard for us to accept because we want everything like right now. But he doesn't do it that way. He'll sometimes work through a lot of people in the family to get his job done. Now, he's saying if we do this, his love's perfect in us. This means you will be an incomplete Christian in this life without embracing this truth. But if you embrace it, he will make you more and more like Jesus. He didn't make it hard for us. He made it easy for us. Did you ever wonder why there's needs in the earth if we had a Savior? It's so we would see somebody who would have an open heart to hear about the Savior. Think of needs that way. Never think of them as, well, there's needs because of the devil. There, there was needs in the Garden of Eden. They just didn't have to reach very far. They plucked it and ate it. You know, they had a need for fellowship in the garden. Jesus made it easy. Heavenly Father came to the garden. What did Jesus do today? Holy Spirit lives in us. He came to the garden. He calls you a house that he'll never leave and never forsake. He's always in there. You can always count on him. So, well, I don't know what to do in a situation. Look at the need and minister to the need and you will have been Jesus. And then he'll teach you beyond there. We pray that today you were challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of his love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962. Or visit our website at go to lwc.org. And as always, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.